This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in Stinky Truth Podcast. I am Mark Schlereth. He is Mike Evans. And uh, week four, officially in the books. It was a uh, it was a good weekend. Uh, good football all the way around. Some compelling story. I mean, just when you thought the Miami Dolphins couldn't be beat, when you thought they were going to go undefeated for the rest of the year and, you know, maybe hit that 72 Dolphins team up, uh, you know, they crap in their helmets and uh, lose the game to the Bills. So there you have it. So how does that happen? How does the Miami team that looks unstoppable as the mm-hmm. talk talk of the league actually goes out and gets their doors blown off in Buffalo. Yeah, well, they played against um, a good football team, unlike they played against in week three against the Broncos. Uh, you know, a, a team that had a plan for them and uh, a team that could actually cover them and weren't scared to death of their speed, weren't, you know, pissing down their leg when it came to the speed of uh, Tyreek Hill and all those, you know, all those different guys. Now, I'll, I'll give it to the Miami Dolphins. They still made their share of explosive plays. There's no question about that. And the speed definitely affects them. And they and they used a good job. They had a uh, a really nice kind of Terrell, or excuse me, uh, Tyreek Tyreek Hill, excuse me, Tyreek Hill in the backfield where they you know faked the pitch out wide and handed it to a Chawn underneath on a jet sweep that scored a touchdown. And you know they had some great design in there. But again, the Buffalo Bills one could match them from the standpoint of we're good and we can play and we can score. And then two, we're just not going to sit there and shake in our shoes over your speed. We've got a plan for that, and we're not going to adjust our entire team and leave you, you know, wide open gaping holes between linebackers and safeties. We're not going to put our safeties heels in quarters or in, in too high safety look at twenty yards like a bunch of dip. No, oh, sorry, a bunch of dip. Dimwits, how about that? A bunch of <laughs> dimwits. Uh, can you still? I'm still a little bit upset about the Broncos game from the let the. Yeah, but but yeah. You, I think you're absolutely right because Buffalo is one of those teams that said, "All right, you you want to do a shootout? We'll do a shootout." Right. We got Josh Allen. Yeah. We got Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's play. And, and, and we're, we're at home. Right. And we're not afraid to do a shootout at home. Right. And they made enough big time plays with Josh Allen and and Stephon Diggs and the yeah the different guys they had. So they had some big time plays, some really good design as well. And Buffalo's a physical football team. You know they they can do multiple things not only as an offense but I think more importantly as a defense. So. They can sit there and say, "Hey, we can play zone coverage. We can we can sit back there and do that." 
and um, and we can still get to you with four guys. One thing is the Broncos, you know, the Broncos never or, or can't do right now is they don't have enough interior guys and edge players that are difference makers to really put pressure on a quarterback. So as we just learned, the NFL can turn on a heel from one week oh to the gosh, next. But right? as we as we sit here right now. Best team in the AFC East is your team to beat is oh it's got to be it's got to be the Buffalo Bills I mean it can't be I mean obviously. you weren't high and you weren't totally high on the Bills to start the season no I wasn't and you know when they lost that Jets game I was like aha see I told yeah. you you know and um, he did he went aha yes aha I told you so <laughs> uh, but it turns out the Bills have uh, yeah I didn't like I didn't like. The issues they were having with Stephon Diggs, who's you know had those issues in the past in Miami or excuse me in in Minnesota, um, and so yeah, I, I I didn't have a great feel for it. The other thing I don't like completely, you know, spread um, this is what we don't shotgun stuff. Like I I like a little bit more versatility, a little more variety, a little bit more under center, um, a little bit more you know commitment to running the football, but. Uh, tip my cap to the Bills. They've uh, whatever whatever the issues were early and in the preseason. Seems like they've rectified those issues. So you're admitting you were wrong. You were wrong. No, I was right, and I think I motivated the Bills. They heard me. They said, "You know what? This guy is right again. We're going to have to change." So I think that's the that's the direction I go. And by the way, did you get a haircut? I did Look get a haircut. You. Yeah, looking Look fresh. At- it is freshly shorn. Yeah, it is freshly yeah. shorn. Yeah, yeah, very wispy on top. Yeah, wearing my uh, cleats on the grass shirt. Yeah, for the honor of you. Yeah. Um, okay, good. Speaking you don't of those, usually wear T-shirts in this podcast. I don't. So speaking of Jets, okay, uh, Jets KC. Mm-hmm. Did the Jets? I love doing this. This is what the radio guy in me loves. Did the Jets come up with a blueprint? To contain Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. They, uh, I, I tell you, <laughs> they did because they've got a great defense. I, one thing they did in picking off Mahomes twice is so everybody does kind of the same thing. This is the the Fangio blueprint. This has been going on for a while, and mm-hmm. the Fangio blueprint is to play what they call kind of a soft shell defense, meaning we got. Corners that are off the ball at about seven or eight yards and two safeties that have their heels at about 14 yards. And the whole principle of of the shell is we're going to make you throw the ball underneath. We're going to rally up and make tackles. And if you can put eight, 10, 12, you know, eight, 10, 12 plays together and score, well, then we'll tip our cap to you. But it's really hard to do that without a you know, false start penalty or a holding penalty or an incomplete pass or getting behind the chains. You you hand the ball off one time and, you know, your defensive front makes a stop and now it's second down and nine and you're kind of off schedule behind the chains. And so that's the whole principle uh, of doing that. Now, back in my day, you know what we used to do if you, you played two high safeties? We'd run your ass out of it. Oh, that's really? Because that's the way you're going to approach us? up yours and we'll pound it down your throat until you say we can no longer take this bludgeoning we got to move a safety up and create an eight-man front does that does that make sense that's that's but nowadays you know nobody knows how to run the ball they don't want to get under center you know they want to everything has got to be out of the gun and um i guess what i'm saying is um nfl teams have become soft as butter when it comes to dictating what you should do in those scenarios. So now they're going to try to throw 
big plays in there. And one thing that Jets did a really good job of is the underneath coverage, meaning the linebackers to me or the safety if he's up, the underneath coverage did a great job of sinking, essentially, and getting depth to take away the intermediate route. So even though you're keeping that tent over the receivers on the back end, the the linebackers getting enough depth to where they affected the intermediate throws. So now instead of, you know, if you just check it down, now we got to rally up and make a tackle. But the bottom line is I think, I think there are two picks. Um, I want to say one, I know one was a linebacker and maybe the other was a corner that sloughed way off in like a cover two type of, of scenario. I don't remember exactly what it was, but, uh, but, that's that's one thing they did, and they were able to create a couple of turnovers on those intermediate throws based on sloughing that coverage off and getting depth. depth. You know, with the Jets, you love to take credit for a lot of things. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. that maybe Zach Wilson was watching this podcast last week right? because you advocated for him to take off the headband. That's right. He didn't wear the headband, yeah. and he played arguably his best game as a pro. Well, I think there's I think there's two factors for me. There's two factors. <laughs> Start with that, Ben. Okay, and go with me on this because I think this is this is what's going on. You know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me today. By a lot of people, I mean you. But I've had a lot of people reach out to me today and say, "Hey, did Zach Wilson cure what ails him?" Like because everybody was saying Zach Wilson. I mean, Joe Namath came out and said Zach Wilson's not an NFL quarterback. Zach Wilson's awful. And I've been the guy advocating for Tim to take off that, uh, you know, that Cobra Kai headband. He looks like an idiot, right? <laughs> and so he takes off the Cobra Kai headband, and all of a sudden he plays exceptionally well. But I'm thinking there's another factor. I'm thinking that he was trying to show out for Mrs. Kelsey. <laughs> That's what I, I, right. I think that I think... He, he learned that Mrs. Kelsey was going to be in the stands. We know his propensity for older, mature women. And he thought to himself, now is my chance. So now gonna, I'm going to show out. You're not going to let this cougar thing go, are you? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. So he, uh, he is, uh, he's trying to send out the vibe. So, th- I mean, they traveled to Denver to take on the Broncos this week. And um, unless Mrs. Kelsey is up in the owner's box, I don't know that uh, he's going to be able to maintain this level of excellence that he had. By the way, here's the here's he the issue. He did look good. He, it all, he did. It all, all came aside. He he looked like right. an NFL quarterback. Right. He really game. he really did good for him because he played really well right up until it was nut cut time. I know. I know. And then you know he fumbles a snap. Meanwhile, when the pressure's on. What does Mahomes do? Converts a third and twenty-two or whatever it is. And a lot of people will talk about here. One thing I want to uh, I want to tell you on that particular play is everybody is showing the holding call against the left tackle. They're saying it's holding, it's holding, and this is how is this not called? Well, one thing like when you keep your hands tight inside on the breastplates of the shoulder pads, like right in that armpit area, like right here, you keep them in tight there. And you never stretch the jersey or stretch outside your own body frame. So you're a whoop and you hold the guy right there. It's it's not going to get called. Like you have to coach guys and you have to understand where I can and can't hold so I don't get called. I know if I've got you in there and you spin out and my hands extended like this and you're over here, 
That's a holding call. If I can keep you right here, that shouldn't be a holding do you, call. Do you want to demonstrate on me? Yeah. So right. if I if if I can keep you right here, and when you spin out, go ahead, spin out. I just hold you right here. That's that's not holding to me. That's that is never holding to me. Sorry. But but that's that's what you that's what gets called uh, or what doesn't get called. And I used to tell refs all this all the time. Listen, man, I, I would I would stop with the referee, the guy in charge of holding holding calls, and I would say, I want you to know something. I am gonna I'm gonna undress this dude. I'm gonna drive this dude like a Cadillac. But my hands, I guarantee, will be inside. They'll be tight on those breastplates. And as long as that's the case, you cannot flag me for that. Now, if my hands get outside and the guy spins outside of me and does all that stuff, that throw the flags at me. I get it. But my hands are so good, this is not going to happen. And, and it's one of those things I have to know, and a good team coaches, what's called and what's not called. So for, the, for whoever it was that was just getting, I want to say it was number 11 for the Jets. I, I'm not exactly sure who that is, but I can look it up real quick. But... What you have to say is, man, you're just getting maxed out. And unless you stretch, the, unless you create that jersey or stretch that jersey, um, you got to understand you're just not getting that call. So that would be, you know, that would be kind of, quote, unquote, my advice. And uh, as a guy that, you know, did a lot of holding and made a living out of holding people, um, you got to be better than that. So that's that's where I am. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Jermaine Robinson. Yeah, Jermaine, no, Jermaine Johnson. Johnson, excuse me. Jermaine Johnson. So... Um, that's on you. You're like, that's on you. You got held because you don't get what's going on. And so I wouldn't throw a flag on that either. I think it's perfectly, I think it's, it's perfectly done. Dallas bounces back. I think the way a lot of people thought they would. Yeah. But it was the way that they beat New England and the way that New England lost. This was the worst defeat in Bill Belichick's time yeah. as a head coach, losing by 35 points. Mac Jones gets benched during the third quarter. Where are you at with the Patriots right now? Where are you at with Belichick? Where are you at with Mac Jones? Are we now at the point where it's looking like Mac is not going to be the guy in New England? And maybe Bill's not going to be the guy in New England very much longer. Yeah, I mean, I would. it'd be hard for me to say, hey, Bill Belichick hasn't earned the right to at least have one more season. But um, Mac Jones was, like, that was one of those things that you look at. You know, there was a fumble created off a sack where – uh, Leighton Vanderesh gets a scoop and score, and then there was another. There was another pick six that was um, inexplicable. Like so, you had that exactly what we talked about that shell looking defense. So you've got you know corners rolled up, you've got safeties over the top, um, and the pre snap look was the pre snap look. I mean, a lot of times you look for pre snap versus post snap, right? Who what do you have weak rotation? You have strong rotation from your safety position, right? So it tells you something about what's going on, on the outside, depending upon what's happening on the middle. There was no the post snap or the pre snap and the post snap didn't change. So you know you've got got you know you know what coverage you have out there and he gets a little bit of pressure and he just floats one out to the edge of the corner that's rolled up and the corner goes thank you idiot I'll take that home for six and so like stuff like that like I don't know what's going on there um and I don't know I mean obviously last year either just crushed his confidence or crushed him but yeah, that was that was really bad and being benched, I mean, rightfully so, you get benched in the 
you know, during a game where you're not playing very well, I, at what point does that affect him as well as a quarterback? Like, you've already had the tete-a-tete with your head coach. Like, one, head coach already kind of screwed you by um, – by giving the offensive coordinator a year ago to both a special teams coach and a defensive coordinator, former defensive coordinator, and then you change it up and you go get yourself an offensive coordinator. But there was issues in the offseason. Wasn't there rumors about trade rumors and everything else? And there seemed to be some tension between he and Bill Belichick. And now all of a sudden you get benched. I mean, where is... Where's your confidence level? Where is, as an organization, where's your confidence level in Mac Jones? And where's Mac Jones's confidence level in Mac Jones? Uh, I would have to think it's it's limited. Bottom line, do you think he's the answer in New England? Or are no. they going to be looking for a new quarterback this year, at no. the end of this year? Yeah, I think it's probably, I think at this point, a change of scenery would do him well. Um, I think it's time to push him right in the belly button. <laughs> Send him on his way. Get squishy. Get, Get squishy. squishy going. Squishy Mac. And as far as Bill's concerned, has well, the game passed him by? No. The yeah that that's silly talk. The game passed him by. Um, All right. How about this for because okay. we saw this happen in in Denver with Mike Shanahan, mm-hmm. and the feeling was at the end of Mike Shanahan's run here in Denver mm-hmm. that Mike Shanahan, the GM, had let down Mike Shanahan, the coach. Yes. As Bill Belichick, the GM, let down Bill Belichick, the coach. See, now I think that I think that's probably fair. I think that's one of those things that you would look at um, and say, "Yeah, that's that's a fair statement." And I think I think sometimes as a coach, um, the problem with you as an evaluator when you're a coach is how much time do you really spend evaluating? You know, how much are you really digging into a guy's deep into his film catalog. How much are you spending time, you know, on campus talking to people and talking to the kid? Like, how you're not. And so you can get enamored with some plays, and then you have enough ego about you to say, under my expert tutelage, I will, you know, I'll fix this guy. Alex Gibbs, my former offensive line coach here in Denver, used to say in regards to, they had to make cut-up tapes for Mike Shanahan. And then Mike would watch the draft prospects, right? And, you know, he'd get enamored. And he wanted, because he always wanted to see, like, a good highlight tape of the guy where he's really making plays to see what, you know, his ceiling, his potential is, right? And Alex always used to say, I would sneak a couple of really shitty plays in there <laughs> on every highlight tape, and Mike would get mad at him. And he goes, I just want you to see the reality of, like, He's not perfect. Like, there are issues with this guy. And I just want to make sure you realize that you're not getting this, you know, this this perfect player, this finished product. You're not getting that. So I want to make sure you realize that this guy's got, you know, this guy's got a lot of issues with him as well. And I, I just think it's hard to be a real true evaluator. I think you have to have a system of checks and balances. You have to have somebody that says, no, we're not doing that. Um, that's not, that's not the way it works. So yeah, I think, I think, you know, I think your ego is big enough to think when I get the, my hands on this guy and I, I, I coach him up every, like every play will be a highlight play. And that, that's not how it works. Talk about highlight reel. Justin Fields was putting one together Oof. yesterday. Started out, I think like 
16 for 16, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Set a Bears record to start a game for most consecutive completions. He was just bawling out. It was like, are we watching Justin Fields or are we watching Patrick Mahomes? Right. That's how good he looked. He was just slicing and dicing and taking apart the Broncos. But then what happened? Yeah. What happened? He, he turns the ball over. He fumbles the ball. Then he throws a late game-clinching interception. What what what's the takeaway with Justin Fields now after a game in which he plays really really well and yeah. gives a, a glimpse of what he can be, but yet after the loss now the Bears hold both the number one and number two picks in the draft, which ostensibly could mean Caleb Williams. Right, and so Caleb Williams would go in there and uh, automatically fix what ails the Browns. Take a uh, take. Decades of poor culture, Bears. or what did I say, Browns? Yeah, man. I've, I've, I've had, well, I don't get much sleep on Sunday nights, but um, yeah, decades of bad culture and fix it overnight. Like, I'm not one that buys into right. This dude comes in and fixes us right away. First, let me just address Justin Fields. I think you put Justin Fields back in something that he can operate. I saw. I think you saw with enough quarterback run, quarterback boot, quarterback waggle, get him on the edge, create you know create linear progressions, get him running so there's you know a threat of him attacking the line of scrimmage, motioning or or moving toward the line of scrimmage, and all of a sudden you stop your coverage if you're the Broncos and there's wide open crossers and everything else. I think that's what we saw. I think we saw a coaching staff that realized we're not going to make him a drop back guy. But he can be really effective, and he was beyond good. He was he was exceptional. He was great, and that's got to give you you know that's got to give you some excitement. Yeah, I again, I am not, I am not that draft guy that thinks if I can just draft a quarterback, any quarterback, or a generational quarterback, um, that I instantly fix all the issues that we have as an organization. I don't buy into it. I've, I've been around this game long enough to watch a bunch of first-round guys who aren't worth a score to piss and guys that are drafted really high that aren't worth a score to piss because you just never know how a guy's going to transition. And a Caleb Williams may be the best that's ever played the game. He may be the most phenomenal in the history you know, of, of football. But I also look at it like... I don't know, because he's an unknown commodity that hasn't played a snap in the NFL. And I think one of the issues that you get into, Mike, um, is when you play at an elite-level college, how many times do you think you're actually mano-a-mano lined up with another team that has the talent that you have? Very rarely. You may get two games a year where the talent is similar to the talent that you have. So that's got to factor in on how difficult the transition is because the NFL has been created to establish parity. So every team is talented. Every not, not, There's not one team where you go, wow, their players are so much better than ours. It, it just doesn't work that way normally. So I think that's a I think there's a there's a big aspect of that where you've got to really think about how that how that works and how that operates so we're talking about Justin Fields and Mac Jones, both winning the same draft. You're confident in saying you've seen enough with Mac Jones to think the Patriots may need to move on. Yes. From him. What about the Bears and Fields? 
I think Fields is exceptionally talented if he's in the right system. Now, is that sustainable? Is motioning him around and moving him around and getting him out of the side of the pocket and having the run options and all that, is that a sustainable form of offense? Um, And can you win a championship that way? Mm -hmm. That remains to be seen. Um, And I I think that what what Chicago told you this year, what the – the Baltimore Ravens are telling you is it's not really sustainable to to think that you can do that with your quarterback. So, uh, but I think he's got a better chance than than Mac Jones. I'm going to tell you, and I think anybody watching from Chicago will agree with me. I, I know that Chicago fans have been very mm-hmm. high on Justin Fields and very uh, optimistic and giving right. him a lot of a lot of patience. I'm telling you, Mark, if the Bears finish with the top pick, they're taking they're taking Caleb Williams. I don't. And, and, and listen, the same Bears fan right. that has been standing up for Justin sure. Fields will be I like, "I get it, bye bye." Yeah, I get it. And and I would tell I would tell you this: uh, I would rather have a pilot that has flown hundreds and hundreds of flights, thousands of flights, than somebody that's only flown in a simulator. That's just you know that's just me. I'd rather have if I'm having heart surgery, I would rather a heart surgeon do it than an orthopedic surgeon do it. Like that's <laughs> that. That's yeah, how I feel, yeah. but you know, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. He may be the greatest thing ever, but I've seen plenty of guys who are supposed to be the greatest things ever that aren't. So that's ready for, uh, ready for a couple of lightning round topics yeah. here. Here we yeah. go. Russell Wilson Plank. has, has Sean Payton fixed Russell Wilson, whose stats are actually not only comparing favorably with, but maybe even better than Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in the AFC West. Yeah, he's he's played exceptionally well. One, in the last two games, he's only taken two sacks. Um, moving up in the pocket, doing things that he didn't even do in Seattle. Throwing and, and exploiting the middle of the football field. Climbing the pocket. He's He looks athletic. He is letting it rip. His arm talent is big. He's, uh, he's connected on touch throws as well down the football field. Yeah, Russell Wilson looks really good. I mean, if you're the Broncos, Russell Wilson on a list of issues that you have, you know, he may be 12 or 13th. I mean, he's playing really good football right now and giving them a chance to win. Unfortunately, you know, their biggest issue, even though they won against Chicago, is their biggest issue is they can't get a stop on defense. They can't make critical plays offensively. I think they had five or six false start penalties. I mean, you just can't overcome that garbage. In a league in which running backs are being told clearly, Mm-hmm. We're not going to pay for you. Right. Is Christian McCaffrey the outlier? Is this guy yeah. worth everything you gave up for in a in a trade and everything you're paying him? Is he the absolute yeah. outlier? Four touchdowns yesterday. Had an unbelievable little swing pass where he hurdles over a guy. Um, you know, the thing about Christian is Christian is a really good between-the-tackles runner, but he's one of those guys that even though he's running between the tackles, he never really gets squared up. He's so almost gelatinous in his ability to avoid contact. What does gelatinous look like? It looks like your belly. So he's gelatinous in his ability to just. I thought you were going to do, yeah, yeah. do something with your body. Well, not, no. Not I mean, body shame me. No, well, wait, I mean, <laughs> one, you set ball on T, and then you expect me not to yeah, hit it? Like that was it, like a cement mixer. Right, right. Ball right there. So um, that's gelatinous for you. He does a great job of that. And then he can run any route of the backfield. I'll tell you another guy that reminds me a lot of Christian McCaffrey, only athletically, he's, this is hard for me to even say, 
I've known Christian. I, I visited Christian in the hospital when he was born, right? I, I, the McCaffrey's there, you know. Mm -hmm. Hey, congratulations. So, um, anyhow, um, Bijan Robinson is a freak of nature, like unbelievable. But here's the thing. These guys are going to get paid. Why? Because they have that ability to avoid contact and not take those shots. But Bijan Robinson was a guy that grew up on seven-on-seven -seven teams. And so he really played all wide receiver stuff. Now at the running back position. So now all of a sudden we can get in what they call 21 pony, one back and then another back, which being Bijan or being you know Christian, and motion them out and they can run all the receiver routes. And there's not just running back routes from the, you know, they're not running back. They're, they're the actual receiver routes and the adjustments they play at receiver. So those guys, those guys will get paid because those guys have that duality about them when it comes to catching the ball as well. In the span of about, what was it, six days, Monday night football to, to yesterday, did we see why the Philadelphia Eagles are the, the most complete team in, in football, their ability to go out and dominate defensively on the road at Tampa and then turn around and win a, a high-scoring game at home? Against Washington, mm. how, 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 do, how do you want to how do you want to play us? We'll, we'll we'll beat you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just mentioned the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. That should be that should be. I mean, you gave up, you gave up. Let's face it, you gave up what thirty? What was it thirty one yesterday in an overtime game to the Washington Commanders, who got beat thirty eight to seven the week before by Buffalo. Yeah. So, and I know that it's a real week to week league. I will tell you this though. Big time plays over the top. AJ Brown is phenomenal. Uh, Devonte Smith is—they're just talented. They're really talented, and and you want to talk about a quarterback that really just boom, 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 keeps rising up. Jalen Hurts is is remarkable. So yeah, they're a they're one of those. They're one of the if you're putting a top a list of top five teams together, they're in everybody's top five. And, boy, they have a, a the running backs. They they have a certain profile of the running backs they like, too, right? The yes. way they moved on from Miles Sanders now to DeAndre Swift, it just seems Swift like is it's, really, it's the same yeah. kind of – stylistically the yeah. same kind of back. Now, well, I think the other thing is is it really helps you when at the running back position have a quarterback that can put that – stress on the edge of your defense so it, it really helps eliminate the constriction of the whole thing and and it gives you that opportunity to uh to make big time plays so anyhow really really good stuff um and you know what another great week in another NFL week. football bring it on yeah let's keep rolling all right for everybody involved in the stink truth podcast uh we will be back with you at the end of this week to preview uh, week five to also go over our money maker picks. Remember, I didn't even pick. I let you pick, and then I just went opposite because I yes. figured that's a great way to make money. So we'll see exactly how that pans out. I think right now we're, we're one, one, one and one going into the Monday night game. So I'll be two and one. You'll be one and two. I think and I that's, gonna, yeah, 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 I, I, I think that's how it's going to play out. So uh, anyhow, uh, we'll be back with you guys later on in the week. Also, look for the special edition. I called the Tennessee-Cincinnati game yesterday. We're going to do a special edition Stinking Truth podcast, so make sure you look for that as well as we break down and go through all the stuff that didn't get into the broadcast. I've got the boards with me, so we'll do that as well. For everybody involved in the Stinking Truth podcast, thank you. Make sure you subscribe, and we'll talk to you guys later on in the week.